The power of fasting and prayer. The power of fasting and prayer. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me with all your heart. And how do you turn to him with all of your heart? He says with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness? During this time we are fasting, this is what God says he's chosen for us to do. When you set time to fast and to pray and to wait on him, what you are doing is losing the bonds of wickedness. You are taking heavy bodies, not only off of you, but off of people. You are letting the oppressed go free. And you are breaking every yoke. That is the yoke holding you, the yoke holding those around you, the yokes in your family, the yokes in your children's lives, the yokes at your job. These 21 days, we are setting it aside to say, Lord God, we recognize there are yokes. We recognize there are people walking around that are held bound in captivity by the enemy. Lord, I surrender myself to you. To not only losing mine, but to losing that of those around me. That is what we fast for. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. He says, moreover, when you fast. There were three things in that chapter, chapter 6 of Matthew, that Jesus said were necessities of a Christian life. When you pray. He said how to pray. He gave us instructions on how to pray. Then he went on to say, when you give, he told us how to give. Read Matthew chapter 6 and you will see all of that. And then the third thing he told us was when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He didn't say if you give. And he didn't say if you pray. It's when the believer, the Christian, if you follow Jesus, you are supposed to set time to fast, to deny yourself of food, to say, I'm going to turn my plate upside down. I'm going to push away that food because I want my spirit man to grow, to rise. My flesh has become too loud. I need to put it down. I need to let the spirit of God that is in me, that is in me, become the true spirit, the truth, the one truly in charge. If you are in Sunday school today, you saw what uh, Mike Murray did. He had... Four people stand here, three to start with. There was the spirit, there was the soul, and there was the body. And how, if you are not careful, the body will get so big and talk so loud because your soul in the middle is controlling, is controlling it. But you can do it well when the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and strengthens your own human spirit. Your spirit grows and your spirit is able to dictate to your soul. And your soul is able to dictate to your body. And your body is no longer, you are no longer a slave to your body. We are not supposed to be slaves to our bodies. Esau lost his birthright because of food. He lost everything God prophesied over him that he would be because of a plate of stew. 
What are we losing because we can't put food aside? One meal. God says, I want you to fast once a week. Or twice a week or whatever. Because I have great things I want to show you, but your flesh is too strong. Your mind, your soul is too strong, but my spirit needs to come up. He says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a south countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. I shall say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you, what? Openly. There's an open reward we are all going to get from this time we've set aside to fast and pray. All of you, look for that reward God is going to give you. When you do these things, look at what God says. He says because we fasted, there's a reward for it, from, for us. So look for that reward. All over the scriptures, you are going to see, if you read, you see how much they were fasted. Jesus fasted before he went into ministry. Moses fasted 40 days before he got the, new, the, the law. Paul fasted. Peter fasted. The New Testament in the Acts. Before they did anything, they fasted. Samuel fasted. David fasted. All the prophets. For some reason, we've kind of... And it shouldn't just be just 21 days. I want every one of you, when this is over, as a church, we will start fasting every Monday. Every Monday, everybody, if you can, fast. If it's one meal, if you don't eat till six or four, whatever. So that it's known that the Ark Fellowship members, every Monday we fast. Even when this is over, you give the beginning of your week to the Lord in prayer and fasting. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, it's not supposed to be a law. This is not, if you've slept since we started, just jump on the wagon again and, and, and let's go. There's no, there's no, Condemnation here, amen? And do the best that you can. If you have children, let your children also fast. Just what they like the most. I remember my kids growing up told you was cheese. He loved cheese. So giving up cheese for him was like, that was something. So get your children. If you read in the Bible, you see they say bring your, the whole children, the men, the women, the children, everybody fasted. So find something your kids can do. Let it be a family thing. Amen? Let it be a part of your life. Now, why do we fast? I'm going to do two things here. I'm going to put up, talk about why we fast and when we should fast. And if we have time, yes, we do have time. Now, there's a story... Something that happened with Jesus, with the apostles, that I want to bring out here on a time when Jesus said, this, fire, this type does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I want to put a little bit of understanding on that scripture. And it's in Matthew chapter 17. And I'm just going to read verses 19 to 21. Let me kind of put a background to this story. Jesus had been in the mountain of transfiguration with three of the apostles, and the rest of them that were left were down in the hill, at the bottom of the hill. And this man brought his son, who had epilepsy, who would have seizures. Now, it's not saying that everyone that has epilepsy is a demon that causes it. That's not what he's saying. But he's not saying that there are some illnesses that's caused by the enemy. 
And so when this uh, young man was brought by, by his father, the apostles, they tried. And they couldn't cast it out. But if you read earlier in Matthew, in Matthew, I believe, chapter 6 and chapter 8, and then in Luke chapter 6, Jesus had sent them out and said, I give you power to tread upon serpents and all the powers of the enemy. And they had gone out and they came back rejoicing that the, 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 the demons and, and all of the, uh, the, the, the evil one was subject to them. And Jesus says, rejoice, for your name is written in heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning. So it wasn't like the apostles hadn't cast out demons before. They had done that before. But in this case, they tried everything they know how to do, and that demon didn't go out. The boy wasn't healed. In fact, when they were trying to heal the boy, the, the, the thing caught the boy and almost killed him. It was like, the Bible says, it was like the boy was dead. And so when Jesus came... The man took the boy and said, please help me, your, your disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus cast the demon out and the boy was healed. And the apostles went. And that's where I'm going to pick up the story in Matthew 17, in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. It wasn't because they didn't have the power. They had the power. But it was because of the unbelief they had in that case. Could it be that because the, the, the demon threw that boy down and he appeared as dead and they were like, oh, this is different? So they had faith. And Jesus said it here. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Then he said in verse 21, however, this kind, what kind is he talking about? Is he saying that this devil, or this particular one, is so heavy, is so bad, is so strong? Or is he saying that your own belief that caused you not to be able to do this, that kind of unbelief, you can only cast it out, you can only remedy it by fasting and prayer. I want to submit to you that it has both of them in there. So I want you to understand that unbelief can cause you not to do what you want to do. Unbelief can hinder us from doing what God has called us to do. And Jesus is saying that any kind of unbelief you have when you fast and pray, you can overcome that. And also, there are demons, there are levels of demons. We have those with principalities, we have those that have powers, we have those of our nations, we have those that cause strongholds in our families, in our lives. And those kind of ones too, yeah. You need to fast to get your spirit man strong enough to deal with them. There are some demons that are just have been in generations, in families, that you need to go on a fast and say, enough is enough. These generational curses, enough is enough. These parents in my family, enough is enough. And you fast and you pray. And God gives you the strength and God gives you the enablement in your spirit, man, to cast those demons out. Amen? So that's number one reason why we fast. Fasting removes unbelief. Why do we even have unbelief in the first place? Because of fear, because of worry, and because of care. 
we are so concerned about different things, we begin to fear, and very soon the, the spirit man is so subdued, and our emotions, and what we can see, and what we can sense, and what we can feel, what we hear, overrides our spirit man. When you fast, you subdue that, and your spirit is able to come out stronger, and that's what will help you. The man even said, I believe, help my own belief. It's not that we don't believe. Sometimes we believe, but there's an unbelief part of it also that's tainted. I believe. We know that God can heal, but because we see what's in front of us, unbelief rises up in us. But he's saying that when you fast, that unbelief, that flesh, that soul is put aside so that your spirit can line up with the spirit of God. Amen? So that's one thing that fasting does for us. Why we must fast. Fasting also gives us spiritual power. We see this in Luke chapter 4 in the life of Jesus. Jesus went fasted for 40 days. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 14. It says after the fasting when he came back. He returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out throughout all the surrounding regions. The power that Jesus, he needed to do ministry. He got it because he took 40 days to fast. And that's one thing God has been speaking to me so strongly. There is no shortcut in obtaining things from God. There is no shortcut in obtaining power. From God. There's no shortcut in having success in whatever area in your life. There is no shortcut to it. I'm sorry. We can't have leisure. We can't have comfort and reach the level we want to reach at the same time. It's not possible. You have to give up something. I have to give up something. If you don't give up something at this level, you cannot go to the next level, period. And that's just the truth. We all have to give up. If Jesus could give up 40 days to fast and pray, separate himself to go in the wilderness. Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus. If he needed that to go to the next level, we need that too. We need to be able to put some things aside. We need to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice this to get to the next level. But God told Abraham, said, give me your son, your only son, the one whom you love. And give him to me. He's always going to ask you for that one thing that you love. He's always going to ask you for that thing. That thing that if you sacrifice it. That's what will take you from that level to the next level. We can't be looking for comfort. And I'm talking to myself too. To become something even in life. In your career. In your, in your choice. Whatever you want to do. In your finances. In your family. In your marriage, with your children, what is God, in your spiritual life, what is God asking you this year to sacrifice for that level, for that desire that you have, for that that you want to become? You know that if you're doing it, if we are doing things the same way, doing the same thing, they said it's a mad person that does the same thing and expects changes to occur. If we are doing the same things, nothing will change. If we want something to change, we all are going to make that sacrifice he's asking of us. Jesus had to give up 40 days 
to do without food so he can go to the next level. So he can come back with power, he says. He returned with power. God says, I would bless you. But for him to bless us, we have to be able to sacrifice something. It was when Abraham sacrificed his son that God said, now I know. Did God not know before? It's our actions, what we do, what we give up for him. He experiences it and he says, now I know. Because he gave us a will. We can will to do and we can will not to do. But when you do the action, God experiences it too. And he says, now I know that you truly mean what you say. It's not just words. And he told Abraham, he says, with blessings, I will bless you. The Bible says he swore by himself because there was no other person for him to swear by. He said, I swear by myself, with blessings, I will bless you. With multiplying, I will multiply you. See all the blessings on Abraham. Why? Because he was willing to give that which was precious to him and give it to the Lord. What is he asking of us? What is he asking from you, from me, in 2023? The exploits that you want to do for God, the great things you want to do in your life, the next level you want to go to, what are you willing to lay down to get there? Is he waking up an hour earlier to pray more? We can always pray more. We all have time. We all have time to eat. We all have time to watch movies. We all have time to surf internet. But when it comes to praying and reading the Bible, I'm very busy. I do the same thing. Make time for God this year. If He made time for you, make time for Him too. Amen? He's expecting that from all of us. In the spirit, we gain. By losing. I want that to sink in. In the things of God, I mean even the physical things too. For you to gain something, you need to lose something. You gain only by losing. You don't hold on to something tight and expect something new to come in your life, no. You have to be willing to lose some comfort, lose some sleep, lose some whatever it is for you to gain what you're looking for, Amen. The third thing that fasting does for us is fasting humbles us. Fasting humbles us. And this can be in two ways. When you are confronted with yourself. When there are just some things that you have tried to get rid of. In your own strength, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you just cannot. Maybe it's that depression, maybe it's that anxiety, maybe it's the panic attack. Maybe it's that low self-esteem. Maybe it's shame. It's guilt. You've done everything. Anger. Worry. Fear. You've quoted all the scriptures you know to quote. Nothing is happening. It's time to say, you know what? I'm going to stay on a fast. I'm going to deny myself. And I'm going to say, God, I can't do it on my own. Help me. You humble yourself before the Lord in fasting and prayer on your face crying before the Lord and said, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. Father, help me. Father, help me. When you do that, I promise you, if it's the same God that we serve, you'll find the strength. That thing that was holding you, you'll find out that it means nothing anymore. 
And you're going to look back and you're going to say, how, how did that happen? Because you humbled yourself and you said, God, not in my power. Let me tell you, the soul of man is the most stubborn thing God has to deal with on this earth. Our will, our emotions, our mind is so, so strong. So, so proud and arrogant. We feel, oh, I can do it. I have what it takes. I don't need God. And that's why the Bible says, if you don't pray, prayer is just a prayerless Christian. You know what that is? It's just a Christian who says, I don't need God because I can do it all by myself. That's just what it says. When you don't pray, it says, I can do it all by myself. I don't need God. I have the mind. I have the intellect. I can figure it out. I'm good at figuring things out. That's what a prayerless Christian is basically telling God. And so fasting and prayer humbles us. It brings us to our knees and it says, God, I can't do it on my own. I can't do this on my own. Lord, help me. Another thing, the way it humbles us is when we do something and God uses somebody to correct us. Please, as a believer, be open to that. Because sometimes we can be so blind to where we are missing the mark. We can be so blind to it. And the enemy will use that to destroy our Christian walk. There's nothing more frightening than somebody who thinks he or she is doing the right thing. And everybody can see the elephant in the room and they don't see it. If God uses somebody to correct you, I am not above correction. Please go to the Lord and say, okay, my spirit or my soul will say, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm." you will want to resist it because that's just who we are. Our mind, our will and emotions, we are very arrogant. We don't ever want to believe we've done anything wrong or we can never be wrong. But somebody comes to you and says, my dear, have you thought about this or please? Before you get back on them and get angry and pick up the phone and say, this person hates me or this person is gossiping about me, please go on your knees. Do a fast and say, God, show me me. King David did that. Nathan, the prophet Nathan, went to him and said, what you've done, see what God says. What did he do? He went on a fast to humble himself. He fell on his face. And poured ashes on him, tore his clothes and put on ash, uh, uh, sackcloth and wept and humbled himself in prayer and fasted. That is the same thing. That's the reason why we should fast. That is the reason why we should fast. Don't take offense. If somebody, there are two th- ways to that. When you are confronted with something you are doing wrong, please go to the Lord in prayer and fasting to, for him to tell you. And the Holy Spirit will tell you when that happens. Amen. We also saw where um, Ezra chapter 8. Again, let me lay a little background to this. When you desperately need God, that's another time to fast. Ezra, they were in Babylon. They were all in, in slavery. And the king had released them to go back to Israel, to go back to Jerusalem. And in doing so, he also allowed them to take the temple treasures back. And when he had done this, Ezra got so excited. And he told the king, we are going to do it. Our God will protect us on the way. 
I mean, if you, if you read the, um, the concordance, it says the temple treasures were about $64 million. All the gold and the precious things that they were carrying back with them. And the king had said, do you not want us to give you some security guards to help you? He says, no. Our God that we serve will protect us on the way as we go. And then he said that. He went back and realized, uh-oh. I spoke too quickly. We might need these people, but he had boasted about God. And he said, you know what? Let's all fast and pray. We need God now to really, really protect us. And because that journey on that road were robbers, people that were, I mean, we take that thing from them. And so he called everybody, the men, the children, the women, everybody, they fasted. And that's where it says in verse 21 in Ezra chapter 8, it says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves. Humbling themselves in that case was to say, God, we need you to protect us. We desperately need your protection. Humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and for all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the army on the road because we had spoken before the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him and his power and his wrath are against those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he said, and he answered our prayer. Do you need protection? Do you need God to be over your investments? Do you need God to protect you in any way? Call a fast. Call a fast. Go on a fast. What does fasting, why do we fast again? Fasting gives you discernment. Fasting gives you discernment. We see this in the life of the prophetess Anna. She was a widow in Luke 2, verse 37 and 38. She was a widow about 84 years old. She did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers. The Bible says day and night. She fasted every day. And because of that, she had the discerning. The discernment, she was the one, only herself and Simon recognized Jesus when he came into the temple. Only herself and Simon. And the reason was that. Because she spent every day fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. So if you need discernment, if you don't know what decision to take, if you're asking God to give you the discernment, listen, nobody, you shouldn't buy a house without fasting. You shouldn't date somebody or get married, propose to someone without fasting. You shouldn't have children without fasting. You shouldn't do any major, no major decision. Don't make any major decision in your life without fasting. Because when you fast, God will give you discernment. You are able to see beyond what people are saying. God is able to reveal things to you that ordinarily your eyes would not see. Every other person in the temple saw Mary and Joseph coming with Jesus, they probably overlooked them because they didn't even have the right sacrifice. They didn't even have the right thing on them to make the sacrifice because they were poor. And they only came with two pigeons instead of the, instead of the required sacrifice. But this lady here, 
This woman was able to know, even in all of that, that this is the Messiah we have been waiting for because she had spent a lot of time fasting and her eyes had been opened to see beyond what her eyes could see. What are we not seeing correctly because our stomach is too full? Because we've not been able to tell this stomach, sit down. When do we fast? When do we fast? I've talked about why we fast. When? Kind of all goes together anyway. When you need direction. That goes with discernment. When you need direction, when everything is foggy. I've told the Lord this last year and a half that he has to make it as clear. See how this water is? I've told him you have to make it as clear as water. For me, because I know how much I need him. I know that anything I do in this position he has put me in, it's not the same as before. I had somebody I could hide behind. And I could say if things went wrong, ah, and he's the one. <laughs> but I don't have that anymore. I'm not in the front of the fire. So I need direction. I need God to open my eyes. I need to see beyond what I see. I need discernment. When things are foggy, I need to say, Lord, until you make it clear, I ain't going. When it has to do with faith, I need to be able to step out even if I don't understand. For us, it's the same thing. The apostles did that. Before they, they appointed those two, to go into ministry. They called a fast and a prayer. And it was when they, they had fasted and prayed, the Bible says, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke. It was the Holy Spirit not fa- speaking before? No. God is a speaking God. God is always speaking. It is our antenna that is in the wrong direction. We are not picking up the frequency of heaven. And when you fast... Your antenna goes in the right direction and in the right frequency and you're able to hear him clearly. Go right, go left, go forward, go backward. You can hear him well. Hallelujah. When your life is in ruins, you must fast. When you have broken walls, broken areas in your life, it's time to call it fast. Don't ever get used to your broken places. Don't ever get used to your ruins. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the court of the king. And he heard the news. They were all in captivity. And he heard the news that the walls and the gates in Jerusalem had broken down were in ruins and it had been for decades. He could have said, ah, it's been over ten years now. What can I do? It's been like this. My marriage has been like this. My finances have been like this. My health has been like this. It's always been like this with my job, with my career. Everywhere I go, it's like evil follows me. Ah, maybe that's my lot in life. I can just take this. 
and live like that? He said no. He said no. He decided to fast. And why he fasted was because he wanted those broken walls to be rebuilt. He wanted the places of ruin to be put back together. What is God using this fast in your life or in people's life to help build back? In this case, Nehemiah, he was fine. He was in the king's court. He was a cupbearer. He ate the best food. He drank the best whatever they drank in those days. He didn't have to start fasting for Jerusalem. Why do I have to fast for my child? Why do I have to fast for my family members? Why do I have to inconvenience myself for this person, for that person? Because at the end of the day, in my place, they say if you throw a stone in the marketplace, you don't know if it's your mother that is going to hit. So don't say, oh, it's so far away from me. I am safe. If they came for them soon, they are going to come for you too. When it affects everybody here, it should affect you. When a brother and sister is hurting, is crying, sit down and hurt with them and cry with them. Pray for them, fast for them. For their walls that are broken. You be the one in prayer and in fasting, build, build those walls for them. That's what Nehemiah did. He was comfortable, nothing was wrong in his life. But he spent the time to fast and to pray and to say, God, no. Not with your people, not with Jerusalem. Help me, Lord. And through different series of events, God used this one man to help rebuild the broken and the ruined places in Jerusalem. What can God use us to do? He, like we talked about here, I don't, you know, it's not like I'm trying to, my own, my own bell, or how they say, ring your own bell. But four million people. People are hearing us. People are listening to us. We might look at ourselves here and say, we're not, we, we don't have much. Jesus used 12 disciples, 12 people, to turn the world around. How many are we here? We can do it too. We can help people build the ruined places. We can help people break the broken walls in their life. We can give them a message of hope. We can tell them that God hasn't abandoned you. We can tell them God can still do something in your life. When we fast and pray, God will use us. Just like he used Nehemiah to build the ruined places, to replace, to rebuild the broken down walls. When you're struggling and you need deliverance and breakthrough in your life. In Isaiah, everybody read chapter 58 of Isaiah. That's the fasting chapter. God says, Isaiah 58.6 Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heaven burdens, to let the oppressed go free? And says, and that you, you that's fasting, you break every yoke. You break every yoke in your life, in the life of your children, in the life of people that you know. You, as you fast, say, God, this person maybe has problem with alcohol, has problem with this area. Maybe something going on with them. Our school that we, we have adopted, Lowry. If you hear some of the things going on with this elementary school, if you hear some of the things going on with those kids, your heart breaks 
Use one day of your fast to say, God, I'm praying for breakthrough for those children. I'm praying for breakthrough for those teachers. People that put themselves in, in the way to be used by you. Father, there are people in this church that are going through hell. They don't know how to even tell people. And they are carrying heavy burdens. Lord, help me in this prayer, in this fasting time, to pray the right way in the Spirit to help them to break that yoke. That's what it says we are supposed to do. Our prayer and our fasting is to bring deliverance and to break every yoke and to remove the burden on people's backs. That's what God, the exploits we are talking about is not to make you rich and powerful. It's to anoint you, as the Bible says, God, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the good news, to tell those that are captives that they are free, to tell the prisoners, the door is open, get up, take those chains and run. He can use you and he can use me. That's what we are going to do in the Ark Fellowship in 2023. Everybody plugging in. The Bible says the whole body, this little pinky, if something is wrong with it now, it will not function well. My whole body will be in pain because of this little pinky. Everybody has a role to play. From the greatest to the smallest. If there's any greater one than Jesus, God, help us. Am I speaking to all of us today? Finally, healing. And I did this the last again. Because we're going to call people out here to pray. Healing. In that Isaiah 58, it says your healing when you fast. It says your healing will break forth speedily. Speedily. Every area that the enemy has held you down, be it in your physical body, especially the mind. Especially the mind. You see young children these days, eight-year-old, trying to kill themselves. What does an eight-year-old know about life that they think they don't want to live anymore? Somebody, someone take a, a blade and decide, okay, I just want to cut myself. Even, you know, the thought of it, I know how sensitive the skin is. But do you imagine the kind of pain and anxiety that someone, and they're usually young kids, the pain in them to the point where they take a blade and cut themselves and don't feel it. They don't feel it. Actually, it releases the pressure and the anxiety they have. Do you know what that is? That's why I keep begging, please bring your children to church. Please, because so much is against them out there. Don't let sports be more important to your children than God. Please. Because what they are going to encounter when they are growing up, if you don't prepare them, you have lost them. You have lost them. If you don't have your children in church, I'm telling you, we cannot afford to lose this generation. A time will come, they will look at you and say, take your Bible and get out of my face because you didn't give time to them. You made them focus on things that are of the world. Money, sports, fame. And we forgot what really matters. Seek you first the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray for healing. If you're here today, you know children, you know adults, you yourself, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. We are going to stand before God this morning. And we're saying, God, we are fasting, heal us. 
And we're not talking about healing that will come next year. Your word says speedily. I need it now. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm tired of it. Stand up on your feet. Where are my musicians? Come back here. We're tired of it. We are tired of it. Do you know how many people this week I called to pray for because they are sick? Someone told me the whole of 2022. She has COVID and she has flu. She has COVID and she has flu. Then pneumonia, this and that. Three or four sisters here. One thing after another. Today we are saying no. Enough is enough. We are no longer ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We know what he can do. But we know that greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. Amen. So we are going to pray this, this morning. If you have somebody you want to lay before the Lord, you come. If you want to be prayed for yourself, please come. And as they just sing, there sometimes it's just me before God. Tell God what is in your heart. Come out and put it before Him. He knows what you need. Let's come to Him this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we present ourselves before you. Lord, everywhere that we need healing, oh God. In our mental emotions, in our mind. Oh God, in our bodies, we need you. We need you, God. We need you in our children's lives, oh God. Father, we need healing to spring forth speedily. In the name of Jesus. We need your healing to spring forth speedily. In the name of Jesus. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Your word says as we fast and pray that the healing will spring forth speedily in the name of Jesus. Father, as we lay ourselves, as we kneel before you in the altar today, God, we receive your healing. We receive your healing. For our families, we receive your healing. Everywhere that the walls have broken down, everywhere that there are ruins, in the mighty name of Jesus, Father God, we lift ourselves to you, O oh God. We lift ourselves to you, O oh God. We lift our church to you. We lift our families to you. We lift all our loved ones to you. Those that are sick, O oh God. Father, I pray for Lily today. Ah, they go shenderable. I pray for your healing touch to reach her life in the name of Jesus. I pray for Allegri in the name of Jesus. I pray for Janet in the name of Jesus. I pray for Dan in the name of Jesus. Every family member of this church, oh God. Every one of us that needs your healing. Emotional, physical, financial healing in the name of Jesus. Heal us, God. Heal your people, God. Heal your people, God. Heal your people, God. In the name of Jesus. Heal your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Heal your people, God. In the name of Jesus, heal your people, God. In the name of Jesus, heal your people, God. In the name of Jesus, heal your people, God. Heal your people. In the name of Jesus, oh, yes, Heal your people, 